I want to ask you if you have your Bible with you this morning, uh, you can turn it to Hebrews uh, chapter 10, that's one of the primary texts this morning. My, uh, my wife is uh, not with us this morning, she's out of town, and so uh, I'm batching it for a couple of days. She was uh, bridal dress shopping yesterday, and uh, so I was talking to Spencer this morning, and uh, his wife is in Indonesia, she's a lot further away than my wife is, and I just told him that we continue to pray for her, and that if he needed anything, because I completely understand how hard it is to survive when your wife is not around, we would do anything for him. So uh, if you'll do that for Spencer, then I might call on you to do it for me, uh, although my wife will be home tomorrow. Uh, so excited to be, uh, to be here this morning, and we're continuing our series called Essentials, a foundational series for us. And this is our all-in Sunday, and that means that uh, our King's Kids uh, Children's Ministry stays with us, as well as our middle school and high school. Uh, and this is a, a great occasion uh, to uh, uh, young up uh, the room, as you already saw with beach balls and a little bit of dance. Uh, but uh, I want you to know on these Sundays, I will endeavor uh, to try to communicate to uh, an even broader spectrum of uh, age range. And uh, unless you're just dead set on having your adolescent with you, uh, I, I kind of grew up uh, sitting right here as a teenager and our pastor would always speak to us. And so on these Sundays, if you're willing to, I'd love to have the young people sitting here uh, kind of front of mind. It gives me a chance to talk to them a little more directly. So maybe in the coming weeks, uh, Val, or coming months, uh, the middle school, high school will sit down here with you. I promise uh, not to call you out or, or embarrass you or anything. Call, call you out. All right. Well, I will call you out if there's misbehaving, and Val will probably be on that list. <clears throat> Sheila Larson spoke for uh, a lot of Americans when she described her personal faith. She said, I believe in God. Uh, I am not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. It's Sheilaism, just my own little voice. University of California sociologist Robert Bila included her testimonial in his book, Habits of the Heart, with his own comment that naming one's own religion opens up the possibility of 220 million faiths. All the research in sociology and demographic uh, results tend to suggest uh, that we, uh, in our age, have developed what's called a commitment phobia. Commitment phobia is the fear that in promising to do something good, we will miss out on getting something even better. And so, although we see a world of good around us to do, many would rather just keep their options open. One writer observed, public phobia research points to a deepening paradox in society. The, commit, the combination of commitment to religion with a deepening moral relativism. For example, while 91% of American people consider religion very important in their lives, 91%, 63% reject the concept of absolutes. 91% say that faith is very important to them, and yet 60 3% reject the idea of absolutes. In the face of this, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus confidently and concretely asserted, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Christian pollster and researcher George Barna reported that only 43% of adults who say they are Christians are absolutely committed to the Christian faith. That means there's a lot of people in church this Sunday morning, all over the country, who don't actually know Jesus Christ. They have a, as the Scripture says, a form of religion, but they deny the power thereof. 
43% of adults who say they are Christians are, are not absolutely committed to the Christian faith. Now, the question is, can you be a commitment-phobe uh, and a Christian? And I'm not asking if, if you can be a Christian and be uncertain about things, because I think all of us sitting here this morning have some doubts. But uh, what could be more option-closing uh, than following Jesus, who told the disciples just a few verses later in Matthew 16, 24, if you would come after me, you must deny yourself, take up a cross, and follow me. What has happened in the church to where our Savior would issue that challenge and then uh, we would define for ourselves what we will and won't believe, what we value and what we don't. Couple commitment phobia with Lone Rangerism, which is a distinctly uh, American idea built out of rugged individualism, which says, why should I depend on other people when I can simply do for myself? And what you have is a culture that's not only uh, borderline hostile to the claims of New Testament Christianity, but at the very least is uh, shy of the idea of being committed to Christ, to Christ's body. So in this series, Essentials, we've been talking about uh, how God intends for you and I to live abundant life. Jesus is offering us abundant life in Him, and, and yet there is this, uh, this uh, relationship between having an, an abundant life in Jesus Christ and a healthy church. You, they're reciprocal. You cannot have the one without the other. There are some levels of sanctification, some levels of growth, Christian growth in your life that you will not achieve apart from a connection uh, to the body of Christ. So this morning, I want to talk briefly about commitment to Christ's body, which is the idea of biblical membership. One of my favorite authors, uh, Henry Nowen, who's gone to be with the Lord, uh, wrote these words, the long painful history of the church is the history of people ever and again, tempted to choose power over love, control over the cross, being leader over being led. Those who resisted this temptation to the end and thereby give us hope are the true saints. The Bible is quite clear on what it looks like for us to live an abundant life in Jesus Christ, and it is inextricably tied to uh, involvement in the local church. Around it. To state it way, we could say that Christ's mission for people directly correlates with his vision for the church. I would state Jesus' mission uh, this way, which is essentially a restatement of the gospel, that we exist to transform lives through the work of the Holy Spirit in vital relationship with Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Did you catch all that? We exist Jesus came into the world to transform lives through the working of the Holy Spirit, not by works, through the working of the Holy Spirit in vital relationship with your Savior, Jesus Christ, and He's doing that for the glory of God. And that ties, corresponds to the vision that Jesus has for His church, which I would state this way, that we exist to become a vibrant community of faith so that Christ's redemptive purposes can be carried out in the world. It might be news to you today that God loves you and He expensed heaven's greatest treasure not just to give you a good life. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to redeem you, but then He wants to involve you in the work that He continues to do. It's a work that is inextricably tied to the local church. These are two sides of God's work through Jesus Christ that He has committed Himself and His church to. Christianity and the church of Scripture know nothing of the idea of privatizing religion. I have a loved one, uh, love her dearly, 
pray for her often, who uh, consistently tells me that she and God have an arrangement, which is her reason for not going to church. I have two Bible degrees. I've read the Bible cover to cover numerous times over the years. I can tell you there are no passages about side deals with God. If that's what you're looking for, you're going to wait a long time. Jesus is God's deal. And he gave his life to establish the local church. To commit oneself to Christ is to commit oneself to the local church. There is no churchless Christianity. And so as we come together as the body of Christ, our desire is to want to be healthy and whole as a body of Christ so that everyone who comes here not only comes to know Jesus, but then embarks upon a journey toward abundant living in Him. This is why we exist. So to give yourself to Christ is to give yourself to something more. First, scripturally, it's, it meant that the individual's life is not only changed by the redemptive mission of Christ, but that they became something more than what they were. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we used a rope. I won't unravel it and use it today. How many of you were here? If you weren't here, you can ask somebody. But we used a rope to illustrate our journey with Christ, which begins at a point in time when we trust Jesus. We ask Him to forgive us. This is called justification. And at, at that point, we begin this journey with Jesus Christ, and it's called sanctification, where we continue to grow as the, as the, the, the impact of the cross is enlarged in our life, we have a greater understanding of who God is and a deepening understanding of how desperately we need Him. And that process continues. You didn't just get a fire insurance policy. You got an invitation to walk with Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And the more that you walk with Him, like John, you will say, He must increase and I must decrease. To the point at which He will be done with me here, I'll, I'll have learned, as Ina told me a few weeks ago, I'll have learned everything I need to know and then I get to go see Him. That's called glorification. And so in between, this is where we're at now, you and I are called to walk with Him. And this corresponds, this idea of walking with Christ, corresponds with the work that He is doing uh, in the local church. So the point I want to make this morning uh, in the message is that in the same way that um, a flock has sheep and a vine has branches and a body has parts, uh, a building has bricks, so a church has members. We can have regular attenders, and we can have guests, and we love it when you come. But we are a church because we are members of the body of Christ. So I have, um, see if I don't get too winded because I'm still trying to acclimate. So Jesus comes, not to serve, but uh, to be, uh, not to be served, but to serve and to give his life uh, a ransom for many. And in the process of saving, he's building. And he's, the scriptures tell us that he's building uh, his body, which is the church. And so God saves you. And what did he do with you? He gave you a place in his body. He didn't ask you if you'd like to go to church. Some of us were invited for the first time. Hey, you want to go to church with me? And we made a volitional decision. That was a great idea. We thought we'd go. Maybe we were young and they had a really happening student ministry. And so we made a choice to go. But when you gave your life to Christ, something happened to you you might not even be aware of if you didn't know the Scriptures that you had no say in. Jesus placed you in His body. You're part of the building that He is making of redeemed sons and daughters. And the reason why membership is so important 
is because it helps those who are outside the body be clear about what it means to know Christ. So it matters very much that we take our place uh, in the body of Christ, in the building that he is building. Now I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes. Um, but I want to make uh, unpack two uh, ideas, and here's the first one. There is an essential link between vital relationship with Christ and a tangible connection, commitment, and contribution to the local church. If you would have the life that Jesus is offering you, I'm not just talking about forgiveness. You can come to know Christ like the thief on the cross. My father-in-law trusted Christ right before he passed. And you, will be, you can be assured of eternity with him. But inasmuch as you remain after that moment you decided to trust him, then God intends to do something with you. And that doing something with you is inextricably tied to a local church. Second, if this is true, then it is essential that in order for a church to be spiritually healthy and fruitful, it must foster a biblical understanding and value for church membership and invite covenant commitment to a local church. Now I want to unpack that, those two statements, with just a few questions and some answers from Scripture. First of all, uh, does the Bible teach membership? While the term membership isn't found in the New Testament, numerous passages suggest that churches did have a way of delineating who was a part of the church family and who wasn't. Paul cared who was in and who was out. He cared because the Lord Jesus himself had granted authority for us to draw a line as best we humbly can around those who have come to know the Lord and those who have not. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This came immediately after Jesus saying, I will build my church. Though the word is never used, the Bible describes membership in two ways. First, the idea of positional membership. We've already talked about that briefly. This speaks to the once for all a union of all believers into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. A positional member uh, is a member in the universal church of Jesus Christ. That's that part that happened to you when you trusted Christ that you weren't aware of. You were given a position in the body of Christ. You should feel very secure if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You should never doubt. You were given a position in the body. Jesus is in the business of amputating and eradicating things from His body. You were made a positional member in the body of Christ. Positional membership uh, is eternal then and unchanging. But then the Bible urges positional members to continue growing by becoming participating members in a local church. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 19 through 25 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, it's a neuter word for, uh, neuter uh, of, of the word brother, so it means brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us 
Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may stir one another on to love and good deeds. Let us, I inserted it there, not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. So the idea of participatory membership is what we see throughout the New Testament. It's what Paul is is, is committed to when he's writing his letters, and Peter as well. Uh, this speaks to the practical execution of God's work of sanctifying you, and the church is part of that. You will not grow independent of connection to the body of Christ. If you think it can just be you and Jesus alone, you won't know where to find Him most of the time. We find Him where two or three are gathered together. And he says, it's there that I am in the midst. And so the Bible urges us to be participating members. Participatory membership in the body of Christ is identification with and a shared commitment to a particular local church. Now, we would be happy for community church to be your church. But we're not the only church. God's church is manifest everywhere, all around the world, throughout the valley, in our city. And what we would say is that uh, as long as the church is preaching the gospel and committed to the good news, and they are a New Testament expression uh, of the body of Christ, then find a local church and commit yourself to them, whether it's us or another church. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So our church, like I said, will have regular attenders and guests, but it's essential uh, that we have members, that we be members of a local church, committed and on board. Participatory membership helps us identify the bond we have in spiritual truth. So what I was talking about when we establish we all have that rope in our lives and we establish a relationship with God. We join the church and we become participating together to identify with Jesus Christ and to encourage one another in that journey together. I need you and you need me. None of us is meant to be alone. You won't make it alone. You have an enemy, Scripture says, who is far greater uh, than your capacity to handle. Participatory membership uh, helps us move toward positional truth. So what is true about us in the universal church is becoming true of us as we live this life together within the body of Christ. So I could summarize uh, with three things. I would say that membership is a biblical concept, number one. Number two, that membership is valuable to leaders in a church. We're going to look at that in just a moment. And number three, that membership has benefits for the individual Christ follower. Churches need to know who's inside and who's outside. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Church members are expected to know who belongs and who doesn't belong. They need to know who they're supposed to give themselves to in terms of praying for and celebrating with and encouraging. Christians are to submit to their leaders. That requires a church. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Leaders will give an account uh, before the Lord for those entrusted to their care. So it matters greatly that a pastor know who's in his flock. 
who he's responsible for. I want to know that I've done the right thing by every person, and not just me, but the senior leaders of our church. We will stand before Jesus one day, and he will ask us. And so membership must matter. I must know uh, who's committed to Christ and who's part of the body of Christ. Now, back to the blocks for a second. There is this incredible uh, duality in Jesus. First of all, Jesus is exclusive. The only way to get into his building, the only way to be part of his body, is through him. This is why membership is important, because it enables me to say, there are those among you who have entered a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. They've confessed their sins. They've acknowledged Christ as their Savior. They're, they've become daughters and sons in His family. Um, and their only way to get into the body is through Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But if we had a different idea, and we say to ourselves, well, it's, let's be a little more modern. You know, people are afraid of commitment. It's kind of watered down what it means to be a member. That way we don't have to, we can grow. People are coming. But we don't have to tell them the bad news. You understand the danger, of course, don't you? Number one, as a leader, I, I don't know who knows and who doesn't. And I operate... Even at this point, every key leader in our church will tell you that I want to know their story. Now, I'm not assuming that we're all lost. I just know I'm responsible. So I want to hear. Tell me your journey. I'll ask you if, if, if we have a chance to talk because I'm going to be accountable before the Lord. And, and I also want people who are coming to know uh, that there's a different step you take that makes you a part of the body of Christ. Like you can come here. We're happy to have you. Sorry, it's black. I mean, sin is black, but I wasn't trying to label you. It's just a contrast. But if there's no way of differentiating who knows Christ and who doesn't, which is what biblical membership is about, then the fear that I have is that many would come for a lifetime, sing the songs, carry a Bible, listen to the messages, Take the sacraments. But if the church never said, the only way to know Christ is through repentance and faith. That's the only way to become part of the body of Christ. And all we've done is damn people. You don't have to work your way to God by good attendance. You don't have to work your way to God by trying hard. The truth is, none of us can get there that way. The only way to become a Christ follower, the only way to seize upon abundant life and to become part of the body of Christ is by repentance and faith. And when that happens, then God makes us part of the work that He's doing, which is called the local church. That's what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. Now, there's also the Christ follower. We'll use this one. Some of you are here today who, in your heart of hearts, you really are grateful that God saved you. Your genuine profession. But you're busy. Really busy. Your job, your family, your kids' activities. 
And, and you've carved out a life for yourself apart from what Jesus gave his life for. And here's the real danger. Matthew 7 says, many will stand before him on that day and say, Lord, we did great things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. See, one of the primary reasons why church membership is so important is because you and I need the affirmation of our brothers and sisters that we know Christ. You know how good it feels to have somebody tell you, I see Christ in you? This guy over here, he never hears it. He may genuinely know Christ. I'm not trying to question that. I can tell you this though, I promise this. If you live your life as a Christ follower over here, apart from the work of God in the world, the moment your life is over, you will stand before your Savior and you will be remorseful. He gave his life not just to save me from my sins. He gave his life to create a community, a covenant people. It's what he was doing in the Old Testament. It's what he's doing with the local church. And brothers and sisters in Christ, you have a place in the body. It matters that you're a member. And if you're not a believer today, then I would just implore you to to recognize your desperate need for Jesus Christ. He wants to make you what you were meant to be. And He's in the process of restoring to creation that He was right all along. That what He said about life is true. It's the best way to live. And so if you have this mentality that you can just do more with your time than God can, you're robbing yourself of abundant life. Because abundant life uh, and connection to the local church are inextricably tied. Jesus is exclusive. You can only get into the body of Christ. You can only get into a relationship through Him. But He's also wonderfully inclusive. Everyone here today is included in what Jesus Christ did. There is a part in Christ's body for everyone. That's what Paul talks so much about is that God hasn't made any one of us. There, if you're looking for the every man's leader, you're not going to find him in the church. And if you do, you should probably run from that church. There's only one every man, and it's Jesus Christ. And we all desperately need Him to do in us uh, what only He can do. And then when He's done that, the wonderful thing is, is He wants to place us in His body and use us uh, in spiritual giftedness to serve other people. Every one of you, as a Christ follower, has a gift to use. Now, you may not, you, you may not have like the latest version of the gift. You know, you, you, it may not be all shrink-wrapped and appealing. But Paul says, you know, it's the parts that are hidden that are the most important. A lot of us can talk. But some of you are the heart. Some of you are the internals. And the church struggles to be what it was intended to be until you give yourself fully to it. Your offer to abundant life and involvement in the local church are inextricably tied. So let me define church membership, and then uh, I will wrap up. Church membership is a covenant uh, that is a formal agreement between a local church and a Christian in which the church affirms the Christian's profession of faith and promises to oversee the Christian's discipleship. And the Christian promises to gather with and submit to the church and minister to their brother and sister in Christ. 
the church has become in our day uh, another place where, like a smorgasbord, you can go and be entertained. You can go and get what you need. That's not the church. The church is a place where you come and, and you help stock the shelves. You have a role to play. That's why membership is so vital. Membership, uh, a covenant uh, that consists of attending services regularly. I'm not talking about perfection. My wife isn't here this morning. We can't always all be here. But everyone knows who's in and who's out because we see you and it's like a family reunion all over again. It's about attending communion particularly. When we memorialize the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior, we need to have a commitment that says, I need to be there. It's a reminder of how desperately I need Christ and what ties me together with the body of Christ, as we will do this morning. It means attending member meetings consistently when we're talking about the work of this church in our community or when we're gathering in community like small groups, that we're committed to being there together. It means committing to pray regularly and, yes, to give faithfully. First John chapter 2, verse 9 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Church is important because it affirms our commitment to Christ. It also provides for our spiritual care, which is the job of the senior leaders of the church. But it also calls us to take responsibility. There are over 51 another passages in the New Testament which suggest that you can't effectively do the Christian life without other people around you. One another, love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, honor one another, consider one another better than yourself. Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 10, Romans chapter 12, this is, these are passages that spell out just part of your responsibility. Let me give you a summary list. Remember your leaders, imitate leaders, obey leaders, submit to leaders in a way that makes it a joy for them to serve. Please, some of you, make me happy. (laughs) Consider how to stir each other up to love and good works. Don't neglect meeting together. Encourage one another. Think of yourself with humble and sober judgment. Use your gifts to serve others. Genuinely love others with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Serve God diligently from the heart. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to others' needs. Show hospitality. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with other members. Don't be proud, but associate with lowly people. Do what is honorable in the sight of all. Live peaceably with all. Just a few of the responsibilities we are given. And what I don't see in there is, have things my way. This isn't Burger King. This is the church. Let's have things Jesus' way, okay? Let's, let's be slow to point the finger. Why is it that Christians were the only army, they say, that shoots its own wounded? Why don't we spend more of our time trying to see Christ in other people and encouraging and spurring one another on? This is the body of Christ that our world needs. This is the body of Christ that Gunnison needs. And we all have a stake in making that church. It begins with church membership. Another way to think about the work of the church, uh, the the church is to aid the Christ follower and the church, the whole church, in becoming all that Jesus intended us to be. To learn to live by grace, to learn 
in order to grow, we're not just trying to fill our heads with knowledge. We want to learn, and then we want to be good stewards of that by actually doing it. So when the Scripture says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to become angry, some of you need to keep your mouth shut longer. You haven't learned that lesson well enough. God gives us truth so that we will apply it and we will be changed. And sometimes we just need other people to point out to us, this is the church, that's a lesson we need to learn. To serve in the body, to steward our resources. I want to close with um, a quote. I don't know who wrote it. But it captures the heart of what I hope to see God do in our church. The love of Christ does not terminate within the heart of an individual believer. The love of Christ does not terminate within the heart of an individual believer. Rather, when truth collides with the soul, it generates affection, which resonates out towards a dark and lifeless world. This reverberation creates community as like-minded and same-spirited believers acknowledge their utter dependence upon this Jesus they have come to know intimately. This community in turn gives birth to Christian spirituality with worship as its labor. Worship compels this community to seek unity in service to one another and creates a passion to bring others into the joys of this life we have in Christ. Christianity is not merely individual. It is not simply cognitive assent. It is not begrudging submission or white-knuckled morality. True religion is beautiful and bloody. Dangerous and delightful, personal and public. It is affection and action, heart and head, raw and yet reforming through thousands of years of existence. A church is a people and a place where the name of Jesus is made much of, celebrating his goodness to all. It is a place which seeks to foster an environment cultivated, authentic expression of spirit-filled believers. It recognizes its own frailty and dependence and welcomes the lost and thirsty, beckoning them to drink deeply of life. I am resolved to see Community Church work, hope, and pray toward that end. I want to ask the uh, members of the Executive Committee to come. We're going to take communion together. I'm going to ask the the men and women to pass out the elements in just a moment. I would ask you to hold on to the elements so that we can take them together in the spirit of the message this morning. Because we are a church, and because we are called to distinctives, it's important for me to remind you, as the Apostle Paul says, that communion is for those who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. It is for those who have repented of their sin and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is, after all, a memorial. This isn't a snack. We'll serve a snack this afternoon at the movie, and I hope you'll come. We're memorializing the good news, the gospel, that through one man, fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ gave His body to be broken, as it were, unto death, and His blood to be shed so that our sins might be washed away, and we might be adopted into the family of God. That is what communion is. So I issue that. You're welcome as a Christ follower, whether you're a member or not, to participate in communion. But if you're not, the Scriptures advise you not to do so. It's premature 
for you to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus until that death and resurrection has impacted you personally. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask, uh, we're going to pass the elements out. Please hold on to them, and then we will take communion together in a moment. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you not only redeem us from our sin, but that you give us a great uh, hope and place in the work that you are doing. Each of us has a role in your church. I pray that we would be a church that values uh, the idea of biblical membership in part so that we might spur one another on to become all that we were intended to be, but equally important that we might be clear to our friends who come who do not know Christ what it actually means to be part of the body of Christ so that they might know you and be forgiven by you. And now, Father, we are reminded why we're here. We're not here because it seemed like a good idea to spend an hour or so in a building with a bunch of people who were formerly strangers. We're here because you arrested our lives. And through the completed work of our Savior Jesus Christ upon the cross, you redeemed us from our sin and you've adopted us as sons and daughters. And so, Father, we worship you for the gift of the Son and for his work upon the cross, even as he instructed us as often as we do this, We do it in remembrance of Him. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.